Hello once again, Pastor Brown from Akron Alliance Fellowship, hoping that you've had you a blessed week, a wonderful time in the Lord, and that you see yourself making progress and moving forward, and that you were very prosperous this past week. Uh, I pray that God just continues to uh, bless you and minister to you. And I pray the things that you may have been listening to here has been profitable to you, spiritually and physically. Uh, Last week, we finished up with the area of covenant, and we're going to move on into another area now to consider the soul, the soul of man. And we don't hear too many messages on this area of the soul, but there's quite a few scriptures in the Bible that talks about the soul. And We're not going to try to cover them all, but we are going to try to hit maybe some of the main things about this thing called the soul. And uh, I want to ask this question. How many of us really take time to minister to our souls or give our souls what they have need of? How do we nourish our souls, feed our souls, uh, allow our souls to rest? Um, just some of the areas we will be talking about. Now, God is concerned about the whole person, not just the body, the soul, or the spirit, but the whole person. And that's what we really want to address with the major theme of this being the soul, because we don't talk about the soul often. It's always about the body, mainly. And we put body and soul as similar in dealing with the individual. So let's pray and then let's see what God has to say. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the privilege that you grant us to sit at your feet. Would you guide us, Lord, through this time and minister to us that we might be blessed from what we hear and what we read and that your Holy Spirit might minister to us. Would you bless those who hear it? Would you help us, O God, to apply it to our life, your word as your Holy Spirit speaks to us? And Lord, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We kind of pamper our bodies. We take pretty good care of our bodies. We make sure our bodies are clean. We don't want to hurt these bodies. We uh, dress these bodies pretty decently. Uh, we really pamper these bodies. We put on some of the best cologne and, and lotions, and uh, we take care of these bodies. Uh, boy, uh, it's, it's amazing how much time we spend on taking care of our bodies. We feed them very well. Uh, we take care of them. But what are we doing for our soul. What are we doing for our soul? How often do we give thought to the soul and its need? Um, when last time you even thought about your soul? And I know oftentimes uh, we do think of the body and soul being the same. And sometimes in scripture, it can be very sim similar, but there is a difference 
And that's why God says body, soul, and spirit. Now, God is concerned about the whole person. And the whole person is made up of body, soul, and spirit. But somehow we have have caused this not to be imbalanced. We have an unbalanced area because most of the time we talk about the body and very little about the soul. And I'm guilty of that also. And maybe that's why I'm doing this now. <laughs> because I haven't heard too many sermons on the soul of man. But God is concerned about our souls. This body will never see heaven. This body is going to return to the dust from which it came, which we're going to see. And this soul is going to live on. Now, we often talk about being made in the image of God. And I think anybody knows that these bodies really don't represent that image of God. But there is a part of us that could very much represent that image of God. And that could be the soul. Because the soul of man is created and it's eternal. It's, it's eternal. The soul will not die. The body's going to die. The soul is not going to die. The spirit's going to go back to God who gave it. And we're going to look at that also, just for a moment. But it's the soul. Could it be that the soul is that image of God that dwells in us based on the very fact that it is eternal? It's something to explore and something to give thought to. But we see ourselves as just body oftentimes. We think in that fashion, just this body. Because this is what I can touch, I can feel, I feed, I laugh, I enjoy. I have the pleasures of the bodies. And all pleasures are not wholesome and good for me, but yet we think it is. It pleases the body. And the body has some strong desires that we have to watch that we just don't give in to. So... We're always, in many ways, talking about body and somehow neglecting the soul and not saying much about the soul of an individual or our souls and what God may think about our soul and how God sees that. I want us to turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Because I think God there gives us just a little hint about this body and the purpose of this body. And we need to understand that, yes, this body does have a purpose. This body is 
housing something very special. What this body is housing is soul and spirit. Two things we don't really see. The soul, which I can say in a sense is the real you, the real me. The spirit that has been given to us by God that we might know him. And that his Holy Spirit might be able to commune with our spirit that feeds our soul. Now, in this 2 Corinthians 5, why don't you hear what he says starting in verse 1, 1 through 4. Now, we know that if this earthly tent, what is the earthly tent? This body. He, he, he's referring to this body as a tent. What does the tent do? It just gives shelter. It gives shelter from the rain. It gives a little shelter from the cold. It gives you shelter from the sun. It gives you a little security if you're out in the woods. If you're a soldier out somewhere, you appreciate the tent, believe me. But it's shelter. And he's referring to this earthly body as a tent that is a shelter for the soul. He says, now we know that if this earthly tent we live in, we live in, is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. Now, he just mentioned something, an eternal house. This is not an eternal house. This is a temporary house. Everything here on earth is temporary. It is not lasting. It's only for a moment. Everything here is temporary, is fading, is dying, is rusting, is being destroyed. This is only a temporary place. And oftentimes we forget that. And we need to be mindful that we live in a temporal world in the way in which it is today. This present world will not always exist. And we need to understand that. Now, if you can, if you can with me, just look back up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look in verse, let me get my eyes straight here, 18. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. What we see is temporal, not lasting. It is constantly fading, is constantly rusting, is constantly being destroyed. What we see is not eternal. And he goes on and he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What I don't see is heaven. What I don't see is the spiritual world around me. I don't see it. But yet through the scriptures, I'm able to fix myself there in a sense. That I'm able to grasp it. That one day... I'm not going to be here on earth 
I'm going to be in heaven. And one day when I am on earth again, for the second time, I will be on a new earth. Not this present earth, but a different earth. It will be a new earth, not as it is. Well, that's mind-blowing. And he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Now, only thing I have about another world is in this thing called the Bible. A new world. And I'm looking forward to that. It's unseen right now. But one day I will see it. And he says, well, what is seen is temporal. Everything you see is only temporal. Is not lasting. Is fading. Is dying. Is being destroyed. Everything you see is only temporal. Here on this earth at this present time. That's how God has programmed it, has planned it since the fall of man, that everything here is temporal. And he goes on, he says, well, what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen, what is unseen, this soul, this spirit, this spiritual world around me, this heaven that I believe in, this hell that I believe in, the God in whom I really believe in, all his angels, the unseen is eternal. Not that they're non-existing. They exist. I just can't see it. Heaven exists. I just can't see it. Hell exists. I can't see it. The soul exists. I can't see it. The spirit exists. I can't see it. But everything I see, he tells me, is only temporal. And everything that I don't see or unseen is eternal. And then when he comes down into that 2 Corinthians 5, he talks about this earthly tent. I see it, and it's only temporal. It's only temporal. I don't see the body that God is going to create for me to be in heaven. I don't see that yet. But one day that body will have to exist in order for this soul to have a housing, to have a place to dwell in. And God will provide it. And it will be a different type of body than this present body who experiences the hunger, the pain, the sickness, all the stuff that goes along with this earthly body. And therefore he says, we live in, we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal. That's the unseen. The unseen is eternal. God, an eternal house in heaven. Not built by human hands. Human hands will have nothing to do in forming this next body. Uh, there were some human hands involved in this one. It's called parents. 
if I may use it that way, that God somehow, through the seed that he passed down, allowed this body to be formed. But the first body was not formed that way. It was formed by God. And the second body that's going to enter into heaven or into eternity, whether it be heaven or hell, is also formed by God. Not by hands of man, but by God. And, and, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And he says, in heaven and not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan or we hurt. The pains are there. We struggle. That's the groans. Longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. It's, it's surprising that as we grow older and you know the Lord, you desire going home. You desire to get out of this ailing body, this afflicted body, this painful body, and into this new body that has been promised to us by our God. Sister Mary, one of our members, as she was laying in her on her hospital bed in the hospital there, and we would talk, and she said, Pastor, I'm going to get a brand new body. And it won't depend upon this heart. Because her heart was failing her. And had been for a few years. And now it was just coming to a point it just could not sustain this body. And she said, I'm looking forward to being clothed in a new body. That this soul would depart from this body and put into a new body that God has prepared for us for heaven. That's something. And that's what he's saying. Longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked the the soul needs clothing needs the tent needs the body god created it that way and he says our clothed we will not be found naked for while we are in this tent this body right now we groan we hurt we have pain we have struggles and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal, this, may be swallowed up by life. We have this tent here that is given to us to house this soul that is within and oftentimes we forget about this soul or nothing very much is mentioned about the soul that is in the house of this body in this tent that's living there. Now God is just concerned about the soul as he is about the body. Go over with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And it's mentioned here, all three. 
And uh, that's why I hold to the thing that we are whole as body, soul, and spirit, the trichotomy. He says in verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now listen. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. The whole person, the whole ball of wax in a sense, be sanctified and kept blameless. That we're not just dealing with body and we're not just dealing with the soul. We're not just dealing with spirit, but we're dealing with the complexity of man and body, soul, and spirit. And God wants to minister to us. And he wants to see us grow. Knowing that even as we grow in this present form, we are also dying in this present form. So something is happening in this body that it is God's will that we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, not so much for the present world in which we live in, although that is vital and that's important, but to prepare us for the next world, for heaven, for living with him. Living with him. That is crucial. That he is growing us even in the midst of our dying. Boy, that's something to grasp hold of. That God is preparing us. He's growing us. He's deepening us. He's opening our eyes. Even in a sense where my eyes are becoming dimmer and are slowly closing. And one day they will close and we'll see no more of this world. God is at work. God is at work. And he's feeding this soul within. That this outer shell is dying. But that inner person, that inner soul, that inner man is growing. Boy, that's something to grab hold of. Now, let's go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Because what we want to continue to just talk about is this body and this soul. Because, again, we have to balance this thing some in, in, in some manner, in some way. And we have to try to understand that this body is only a tent. And some thoughts and some philosophies or some religions, you can do anything to this body because it doesn't touch the soul. Well, Scripture doesn't say that. I think the body can hurt the soul. 
because the body can feed the soul all the wrong things. They are not nutrition, not good for the soul. But on the other hand, the spirit is able to feed the soul that enlightens the body, builds the body, strengthens the body, and it comes outwardly. That demonstrates that the soul is well within. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, it says, And the dust returns to the ground it came from. The dust returns to the ground from which it came from. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, that the dust returns. But take a good look at that verse 7 with me. The Lord God formed the man. Here's our beginning, in a sense. Here's Adam. He's speaking up. But from Adam, we all come. And somebody can say, no. We all come from Noah after the flood because all life was destroyed. But you have to ask the question, where did Noah come from? Come from Adam. So all life, in a sense, stems from Adam. And this beginning was not, as I shared, made by man or two hands as a woman and a man would come together and a child comes forth. God created. No woman involved. No one else involved. God said, let us make man. And who's the us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that triune God. And says, from the dust of the ground, God created us, formed us. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. Now, now catch this. He formed this body, but until God did something else, though he formed this body out of the dirt, out of the clay, out of the mud, however you want to say it, out of the ground, it just laid there, lifeless. That, have you ever wondered why we can go to a funeral and see a body just lay there, lifeless? Because the real life now is gone. The soul is gone. And that body, that shell, that tent, it just remains. But it's lifeless. It doesn't hear you. It doesn't see you. It doesn't even have a sense of touch any longer. And it says it returns to the dust from which it comes. There was a time when God formed us for a moment, for a second, for whatever, that the body was there without life. Then the scripture tells us something else takes place. And breathed into the nostrils of breath, 
the breath of life, breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, the King James will say man became a living soul. But life, God put something in man that caused man to bear life and that body to respond. He breathed a soul into this man. And this soul was life, an eternal soul that gave life to this body. And we see the movements and so forth for this body. Because God breathed into it. But until God took that second act and breathed into it, not just formed, so that body laid there lifeless until God breathed into it. And there was life. And that's the soul. That's the soul of man. And that soul will live eternally. Not this body itself. But the soul will. Will live eternally. And God will create a new body. For those who go to heaven. And create a new body. For those who will go to hell. Because the environment is totally different between the two places. So God makes a body for each place. But the soul then has a tent again. That body that God creates. Then the soul is the eternal part of us. The soul will exist and live on. This body that we have presently, ashes to ash, dust to dust, it goes back to the ground. Now, go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, because I want you to see another part here, and I just want to speak about it. With Adam, Nothing of a spirit was really spoken of that I know of. But after the fall, there has to be a spirit that God gives. In the cool of the day and day, Adam and God, they walked together, talked together. So there was no need of another Entity in a sense. Because they were there together. They walked together. Talked together. I like to think of laughing together. Enjoying life together. Adam and God. But it says. Because I said that we were. Given the spirit. And we're made up of. Body, soul and spirit. Look what it says. Then. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. The spirit returns to God who gave it. That the spirit that is in us 
not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit, and yes, the Holy Spirit also dwells in us after we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a spirit that God gives to us that relates to the Holy Spirit that the Spirit might feed the soul and know truth. Boy. But he does allow us to know that that spirit of man that is within us goes back to God who gave it. Now, what's the purpose of that spirit? Go to Romans chapter 8. We always want back scripture with scripture. We want to see it from scripture. We want to know it from the word of God. Not just from what I think. Or somebody else thinks. And even commentaries are, are good. But when commentaries don't back it with scripture. And take you back into the word. Then it's just a book with the thoughts of man. But we want to go back into scripture again. And we want to see why. Why are we given a spirit in a sense? Now look up with me in Romans chapter 8. Go to verse 16, yes, 16. The Spirit himself testifies. To testify is that you're saying something to something else. You're speaking to another entity when you are testifying. Um, when you get up in court and you give your... and, and testimony or you're testifying against something that you've seen you're sharing that with others and he says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit catch that with our spirit the small s the spirit big s himself the holy spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That spirit that is in me given by God is for the purpose of connecting with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who is then going to confirm this truth with my spirit that feeds my soul, that the body then is able to express what is taking place on the inside. The Spirit himself testified with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that spirit has that purpose of being in there. And we need to be fed by the Holy Spirit, the word of God. That our spirit can feed our souls. Our souls can rejoice. And we'll see that not in this lesson, but in other lessons where our souls rejoice over what? In a sense, it's being taught by the Holy Spirit. And then we see the outer expression through the body. The comfort, the reassurance, the relaxation, the joy of the Lord that is inside is expressed outwardly through these bodies then. And then we testify to other people what have taken place. 
and we share that. And as we speak, the Holy Spirit, the words that he's given us and what he's done in our life speaks to somebody else's spirit that speaks to their soul. And we see whether they accept it or not by the reaction of the body. It is the Spirit of God that bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And we are direct, directed to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. In all the verses that you look at, when it talks about loving God, basically, is heart and soul mind or strength all your intellectual strength in a sense not so much this here but intellectual strength the mind and go to Matthew chapter 22 in verse 37 Matthew 22 37 I want you to catch what the Lord is going to say here because it, it, it is vital that we understand this because, again, we put so much importance on this body. And at some point, you have to understand, you have to be willing. I don't want to use the word neglect per se, but everything is not about this body. This body will lust after everything. This body desires a lot of things. And we try to feed this body everything it desires, whether it be in pleasure, fun, enjoyments. Our world is dying from trying to please this body. We're dying going to these football games when this COVID is running rapid in a sense. We're dying going to these uh, concert things without masks and without any distance. We're dying because we want to get back to our pleasures and, and our joys of this world that this body really enjoys. Understand something. The body will enjoy something even though it kills it. Alcoholism, constant drinking will kill this body. But the body will crave it. Drugs will kill this body, but the body will crave it. Sex will kill this body, and the body will crave it. But at some point, you have to be able to say no to the body simply because it's not good for the body. Now, look at Matthew 22. And look what he says in verse 37. Jesus replied to one who asked him a question, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. With all your mind. What is always left out when it comes to this area of loving the Lord is the body. But love the Lord 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The body is always, in a sense, left out. And the mind is the intellect. Learn of God and grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Allow yourself that desire to grow in him, to learn of him. People who no longer want to study the word of God don't go very deep. And yes, we can quote 10 verses, 20 verses, 100 verses, but do I really grab hold of what those verses might be leading me into or teaching me? I can quote them verbatim. I can say them, but really have no real insight into that verse of what God is really teaching. And Jesus says, now, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And that's what he wants us to do. Now, turn over to Matthew 10. And let's see if we can learn from this in Matthew 10, in verse 28. I am to love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul. Every time the gospel is challenged, historically, you can see something take place. That man tries to change men's hearts and his mind towards the things of the living God. We're living in such a time that men are trying to change the direction of our hearts and our minds away from the Lord. And our souls will starve. Our souls will be neglected. Because they will not receive the spiritual nurturing that they have need, that it has need of. Look at that verse 28. Look how Jesus shares this with us. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. The body is important, but yet it is not important. It is not the most important thing. And we do all we can do to protect this body. I don't want nobody beating on this body. My wife is small. She's not very powerful. But boy, sometimes when she hits, I, I can feel it. And that's not saying she hits very hard. It's just jokingly. But we don't want nobody beating on this body. And he says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. And what do we fear most of all? <coughs> Sometimes it is. Someone who's threatening our bodies to do harm to our bodies. 
to hurt these bodies. And we'll do all we can do to protect these bodies, me included. I'll do all I can do to protect this body with the understanding that this is the temple of God and with the understanding that this is the tent for my soul. But he says, don't be afraid of those who killed the body. And it may come a time in this country as, as it has been in other countries where people may have to allow these bodies to be put to death for the glory of Christ. But he says, but cannot kill the soul. Now look what man is limited. God reveals to us man's limitation. Man can kill the body. But that's all man can do. Man can hurt the body. Man can damage the body. Yes, man can kill the body. can take, in a sense, life from the body. But look what he can't do. He can't touch the soul. He cannot touch the soul. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. He can kill the body. He can damage this body to such a degree that it no longer is able to provide the tent, the covering that is needed for the soul. But he's limited because that's as far as he can go. He cannot kill what he does not see. And the soul is unseen. And the soul is eternal. That he does not see which is eternal, he cannot kill. Praise God. Praise the Lord. He cannot kill what he does not see. Because to man, the soul is unseeable. It's unseen by these eyes that we have at this present time. But God sees it. And he says, rather cannot kill the soul. Rather, now catch this, rather be afraid of the one. He didn't say many, but just one. Just one. Who's that one? God himself. Not Satan, not any demons. Not the worst person walking on planet Earth. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, what I want you to really catch this picture here for a moment. Man can kill the body, and that's all man can do. Man can't do anything with the soul. The only one who can deal with the soul is God. And God then gives us insight and warning 
Don't be fearful of him who can kill the body. Because, see, that's what's going to happen. And it's been happening all down through history. It's been happening here in Akron. It's been happening in Ohio. I think my wife is telling me over 1,800 young people died in Ohio last month, something like that. And man can only kill the body, cannot touch the soul, but God can. And God says, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, he uses hell as that destructive place for those unbelievers, for those who love evil, for those who love following after the works of Satan. And he says he's able to take that soul, give it a body, put it in hell, and it's destroyed. Why is it considered destroyed? Because it is not with God. Living forever in some type of torment, and some people would say, a loving God wouldn't do that. No, what God does is give you a desire to be away from him because that's what your desire is, to be away from him. Now catch this. Being away from God is torment. Being out of the comfort of God is torment. Being out of the light of God is torment. Being out of his presence is torment. If you've ever been in his presence, you somewhat understand that. To be out of fellowship with God can bring tears, repentance, sorrow, pain. But being in fellowship with the Lord is full of joy. Is full of joy and comfort and rest. And he says, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who we should fear. The one who is able to take this body, goes to the grave, the soul lives on, and give it a new housing, a new tent, that will either exist in hell or in heaven and house the soul. I want to cover just one more area because he tells us to fear the one who is able to deal with the soul, not the body. Man's limited. He shows us the limitation of man. Man can only kill the body and after that he can't do anything else. Go over to Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. I want to start there. And he, he poses this question. And you and I have to answer this. And the question boils down to this. What would you give in exchange for your soul? What earthly wealth, what earthly thing can you really give for your soul? Now, I want to bring back to your mind. Everything you see earthly is all you can give. 
And the problem with what you give that is earthly is only temporal. It's fading. It's rusting. It's going back to the dust, back to the ground from which it came from. Everything we build with comes basically from the ground. And all the buildings we have eventually go back to the dirt, back to the ground. All the steel we have basically goes back to the ground. Just by everything that we basically use, eventually go back to the ground. And he says now, in 36, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? The body would enjoy that. The body would never get tired, in a sense, of all the womanizing, all the drinking, all the drugs, all the profanity. It would never grow tired of it. All the partying. Not until it gets old and can't do it anymore. And sometimes that's the only thing that stops us is age. But by that time, our path is already made too. Not that it can't change. And it can change even while we lay upon our deathbed if we confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and ask him to come into our life. And praise God that that is still there before us. That we can lay on our deathbed with hours and minutes to go and with a sincere heart say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. He will. Boy, that's amazing. And that blows our minds because a lot of us say, he don't deserve it. He don't deserve it. No, he's a just God. And Jesus Christ has paid the price for that one on that deathbed to make that confession and to pray and to be saved just as anyone else is saved, whether they're 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. They have the ability to change their direction for eternity rather than going to hell to go to heaven just by confessing the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life and asking for that forgiveness. He says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul, not his body, forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And again, I want to remind, what could you give of this earthly realm that you see that could pay for your soul when it's all temporal. How many of you would take counterfeit money? And that's in a sense what you're trying to pay with. You're trying to pay with something that is counterfeit that has no eternal value for your soul. And it means really nothing to God. 
Your soul is valuable to God. God created, God gave it to you as an eternal way of life, eternal living. You're going to need a tent for it. And God is ready to prepare that tent for you. That that soul might be housed and not be found naked. You have to make the decision on what kind of house you're going to receive at death. Will be a housing for your soul for hell or will be a housing for your soul for heaven? What could you give? Everything's temporal. Everything you see is temporal. The only thing that you may see and handle that is not temporal. Is this word of God? This word of God. It's eternal. Why? It is the words of an eternal God. I hope that you. Just take time and think back through what we've talked about. And if you would even ask the question of yourself, do you give more credence and value towards your body than your soul? Would you ask the question, how do you feed your soul? What do you do for your soul? And all you can do is allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your spirit that will feed your soul an eternal word from an eternal God. And you'll know it because the body will respond to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. And your word, Lord, no one can exhaust it. Every time we go back to it, Lord, it's something new. And, and Lord, it's something that is far beyond our understanding. And we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, the teacher, continues to bring us back again and again and again to your word. Help us as men and women to dig into your word and to want to go deeper, want to know more. And let us not just be interested in just the body, but also the soul that you've given unto us that lives within these bodies. And may our souls find rest in thee and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God, Bless you and may God keep you. And like I said, 
next week we'll look a little bit more about the soul because again we don't hear too many messages about the soul but ask yourself what would you give in exchange for your soul what earthly thing could you give and I think you will come up with the same conclusion you can really find nothing of earthly value here that you could give for the exchange of your soul God bless you. May God keep you. May you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Bye. See you next week.